May I first express my appreciation for being able to supply this pulpit once again. I notice that each time that I come, your pastor leaves. (laughs) But I appreciate the faithfulness that you have, especially on the holiday weekend. It's always a joy and a delight to share the word of God with the saints here at Westminster. Let us pray. Our Father, open our hearts that we may not only understand the word, but that the word would become flesh within us. That the Lord Jesus Christ would live within us afresh. That we may be obedient to that word. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A holiday weekend. The word holiday really means holy day. A holy day that we call July the 4th. 240th birthday of what we consider the United States of America. I think most people that are aware of what's happening in this world understands that these are tumultuous times. There are fractions across the board. There are issues that face us that almost seem impossible, almost impossible to solve. Have we become a nation that has lost its vision? Have we become a nation that has lost its foundation, the foundation for freedom in particular? The Lord Jesus Christ had been teaching what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and he had gone through a multitude of issues from national concerns to personal concerns to character building to conduct among his people. And he comes to the conclusion and he lays the obligation onto the people. So now that you have heard these things, what are you going to do about it? And blessed are those that have heard and will build upon the rock. The people were amazed. That's a simple phrase in the last verse that we read. They were amazed at the teaching because he taught as those who had authority. There are two different words used in the New Testament for amazed. One is that you stand up and you notice. It's like a sunrise or a sunset. It's like being in awe. But there's a second word, and that's the word that is used here. And it is to be struck down. That it was so overwhelming that they fell on their face. They were struck down at the authority of Jesus. At the vision that he had set before them. Recognizing it was, came from the very mouth of God. And they were struck down. 
I'm afraid that many times we come to church and we might be amazed and we stand in awe. But we are seldom struck down. And how much Christ has given for us. We shall observe some of that. And what we call the communion a little later this service. And what a blessed event that always is. Not only to remember to reflect, but to re- renew our commitment to serving the risen Savior. And it becomes more difficult as time goes by. Do not be alarmed. God is still sovereign. But he does say, blessed is the nations whose God is the Lord. And Jesus said, build upon the rock. The rock of salvation. The rock that is our refuge and our strength and our fortress. The psalmist refers to God is the rock no less than 13 times. And how important it is that he raises us up and sets our feet on the rock. And we are to build on the rock. Foundations are important not only for our own personal lives, but also for institutions. A church must be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word and be awestruck of his grace and his greatness and his glory. When was the last time that you were awestruck By the love of God. His grace is so overwhelming. His love so magnificent. Communion is to bring us to that point of recognizing what Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. And what was that joy? That joy was you and me. To be part of his family. Oh, what an amazing thing that is. Foundations are important for homes, for institutions, and for nations. The New World Trade Center, rising 1,776 feet into the air to commemorate 1776 has a foundation of 70 feet. 70 feet below ground to hit bedrock. And it is the foundation that gives it the strength. It was built on the rock so that 110 mile an hour gales of wind would sway the building only a quarter of an inch. So that when the storms came, the building would stand. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to be looking at the storms that we face. How we live our lives in the midst of storms. Because these are tumultuous storms times. And that the storms are all around economic storms. Judicial storms. Ethical storms. Personal storms. And you and I are called to live in this day and time. What an awesome blessing that is. 
the foundation must be upon the rock. Moses, and giving what we call Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law, reflects before he turns the reins over to Joshua. Joshua is to lead them into the promised land and reminds them of their responsibilities. If you noticed in Deuteronomy 8, and that's where the majority of our text will come from this morning. Verse 2 says, remember. Remember our foundations. Have we forgotten our foundations? William Bradford, in writing in his journal concerning the early history of the pilgrim community, said that we came across the ocean with the vision of setting a firm foundation for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ. A vision of a firm foundation. Proverbs reminds us that without a vision, or it's a newer translation, without revelation, the people cast off restraint. That is the reason that there's so much violence in the world today, especially in our land. Fifteen murders every day in the city of Chicago. We may be isolated from it, living in somewhat of a rural part of New York. But there's a world right there that needs the gospel. There's a world right there that needs what only the church can give. And sometimes the church can forget its calling to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And the gospel is not just to inform us. These passages that we read this morning were not just to inform us of history and of things idealistic, but to transform our lives. That we go out of this place with a renewed commitment to the Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. In Plymouth, Massachusetts, there's a monument removed a quarter of a mile away from all of the tourist attractions, the Mayflower replica, the Plymouth Rock, the Cranberry Bogs, and things like that in Plymouth. Very seldom visited Every time I've ever gone there, I've been the only person in my family and I've been the only people there at that monument. It is located a little northeast of downtown Plymouth. And it used to be called the Monument of the Pilgrims. Now they've renamed it the Monument of of the Forefathers, both of which become important. Forefathers. It's the largest totally granite monument in the world 81 feet tall around its base are four seated ladies one called law one called liberty one called education and one called freedom. 
the one called law says mercy and justice. The one called morality says prophet and evangelist. And the church is called today to be a prophet to the world, to speak the truth of God, regardless of how it is accepted in the world, and to be an evangelist, to woo people. That's an old-fashioned word, isn't it? When's the last time you heard that word? To woo people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To live a life that is pleasing to God himself. But around that granite monument are those four ladies or muses. But in the center... Rising 36 feet of that 81 is a fully clothed lady with her finger pointed up this way. And in her other hand holds an open Bible. And she is called Faith. And we have lost faith in this world. And I'm afraid that sometimes we as churches have lost faith as well. We have lost the revelation of God. We have let culture determine how we react in the world. Instead of loving God's creation. Faith. That's what you and I have. God tells us that if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Oh, is that not what we need? We've had what we've called in the United States two great awakenings. It's been a long time since there was an awakening, a revival among God's people. A revival means to revive something within us, in the church, within Christians, to go out and do our jobs as pleasing unto God, not for the personal satisfaction of a paycheck, and not because someone is looking, but because it's to bring glory to God. Sometimes our young people have seen less than that from us. Oh, shame on us when we have dishonored our Lord Jesus. But a foundation was laid by these founding fathers. But it was not an easy foundation. It took courage. You realize that the Constitution of the United States was passed by vote in the New York Assembly by 30 to 27. In Rhode Island, it was 34 to 32. Not what I would call an overwhelming majority. In New Hampshire, 57 to 46. We are... Always a remnant 
to express the glory of God. A currency has on it in God we trust. And probably a big misnomer at that point. But on the back of the $1 bill, the most common bill that you will probably see, on the reverse side is a copy of the Great Seal of the United States. And one has a strange pyramid with an eye looking over it. And I understand that there's some other sub-messages in all of this. But in Latin it says, God has favored our beginnings. Could we think that God has favored our continuings? You see, the foundation that was laid is being disrupted. It's being disrupted with our ethics. When we can hardly tell the difference between a male and a female any longer. It's being disrupted when we have such a disregard for unborn life. Is being disrupted when institutions are no longer able to use the name God. I was invited to say the opening prayer at a college commencement some time ago. And I was instructed not to use the name of Jesus. I politely told them that I was unable to pray. You see, the name of Jesus is what divides men and women. The name of Jesus that you and I celebrate this morning in the communion service. And that you and I can take for granted. That you and I can sometimes sit in, in awe and nod our head. What a nice thing that he did for us. But we're seldom struck down, amazed at the love that he has for us. You know, Jesus Christ is our foundation of the church, but he's also foundation of our personal lives. Is he? What does this mean for us practically? It does little to reflect upon the past unless it challenges us for the future. And so what does Deuteronomy 8 say? The first it says to remember. And when we say in the communion service, do this in remembrance of me, said our Lord Jesus. Remembering is not just a reflection. Remembering is the impact that it had to transform our lives. Some of us have been Christians for such a long time. We have lost the sense of urgency of when we first recognized that our sins had been forgiven. And the foundation for our freedom to be all that God wanted us to be was set in Jesus Christ. We have lost the urgency of a nation that was founded 
I'm not going to say by all Christians, but was found with Judeo-Christian values because of the revelation of God. So we are called to remember how God has blessed you. And this morning, do you recognize the blessings of God? The freedom that we have to be here this morning. The word of God in our own language. Men and women gave their lives that you would be able to read the scriptures in a language that you understand. Whatever the version you might need. To be able to sing a hymn. Whether it's a modern spiritual song or an old hymn. And you know, the music has divided the church too many times. The versions of the Bible have divided churches too many times. But we come back to the rock and to remember Jesus Christ who loved you with a perfect love. Then it goes on to say in verse 6, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For it is the Lord who gives you the Not the, the might and wisdom of our own hands, but it's God who has given us the ability that we are able to live a life. Observe his purposes. Observe his laws. We read the Ten Commandments. And by the way, the Ten Commandments are engraved in stone at the United States Supreme Court. And we have kind of thrown away the Ten Commandments. We've thrown out prayer in the school years ago. Could that be the first erosion of faith? I remember a man visiting our church some years ago. And I visited in his home afterwards and he says, there are two things that bother me about your church. Is that you pray too much and you talk about Jesus all the time. The Lord was gracious to convert that man. I had his funeral a few years ago. But let that be said of this church. That you pray too much. Look at your prayer time this past week. How much did you pray? I'm not talking about in the prayer service. I'm not talking about in the worship service itself. Though that becomes important also. But in your personal life. If you hear these words of mine and you do them, you're like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The storms are going to come no matter what. The wise man and the foolish man, the same storms are going to come. And I'd like to think because I'm a Christian, I won't have any of the storms of life. But we live in a fallen world. And ever more so that we need to build upon the rock to observe his command. And then it goes on to say, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Praise the Lord. How many of us will go tomorrow without even thinking about 
the goodness of the Lord. Oh, I know there's family times, picnics, games, camping, all wonderful things. But in the midst of that, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, all that is within me, praise the Lord for his goodness to us. For his grace that extends to you this morning. Wherever you are, God wants to extend that grace. Whatever your needs are, God's grace is sufficient. It is not only by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace you stand. And we stand firm. Even in the face of death. We don't like to think about that. But can I praise the Lord in death? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. May we go forth from this place today recognizing that it is God's grace, praising him for it, praising for the greatness that we've already seen, and we are struck down by that, not standing in awe, but struck down in awe to recognize that our foundations for freedom is in Jesus Christ and in him alone, and we're just determined to build upon that rock. May God give us the courage and the convictions and the commitment to do such. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, take the words that have been spoken, and especially your scriptures this morning, and let them ring true, not only as we have heard them, but as we go forth in life to live them. Give your people renewed grace and strength this morning. Fill their hearts with renewed praise. Give them the glory of the Lord and let the joy of the Lord be their strength as we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen.